When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me, as always, as we uh, break down just kind of a just. The no man's land of a week uh, from a 49ers perspective is fellow contributor Akshaz Dividula. Akshaz, how's it going, man? It's good, Robert. You know, the weather is a little dreadful. I think where both of us are right now. But where you're warmed by a week of playoff football. And more importantly, I think for like my physical health, a week where I don't have to stress about the 49ers <laughs> not winning a game. Which yeah. You know, when we get to the playoffs, that actually, this yes. is like, <laughs> I'll I'll say this. I've been much better, I'd say, as a person of like not getting like super invested into regular season games because I realized that was a lot and that was not healthy to do. <laughs> but right. when we get once when we get to the playoffs, that out the window like yeah. immediately. So it's gonna be a roller coaster, but I'm excited. Well, hopefully not too much of a roller coaster. Hopefully the everything will line up really nicely. The 49ers can just, you know, win two fairly non-uneventful games and go right into the Super Bowl against some team um from the AFC. I don't know. Like we'll we'll I'm sure we'll talk about that over the course of the next couple of of uh weeks. I'm not sure how much we'll get into it today, but um I mean, we 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 could acknowledge the fact that the technically the 49ers played a football game on Sunday. Um, it was a, a meaningless game from the perspective of both the 49ers and kind of the Rams, like the Rams sort of tried a little bit, but didn't really, um, you know, it, it was, it was a weird, like kind of half in half out kind of thing. I think they were, I think they just basically decided like, Hey, whatever outcome ends up here, if we have to go to Detroit, if we have to go to Dallas, it's, it's, it's fine. It is what it is kind of thing. Um, but the Niners lose 21 to 20 in a very sort of just like, you know, it was a silly, meaningless game that I still really hoped that they had been able to drive down the field to win at the end. But um, I, I actually I, I actually chuckled out loud at the end of the game when when uh, 
when when Sam Darnold fumbled, I was like, oh, that 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 was kind of funny. Like the balls flew out of his hands. Um, and you know, we're not going to get into the the ins and outs of 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 the game. It was you know, it was a silly game that that I think if both teams could have been like, you know what, let's just let's just take a a forfeit. We'll take the tie. It'll be fine. I don't think that either of them would have cared that much. Um, the the weirdest part about it was that I I don't, I don't know if Carson Wentz had a like a rushing yard, a rushing attempt incentive in his contract, but he was running the ball as if he did. Um, and based on Sean McVay's other <laughs> activities throughout the game, where he was trying really hard to get Puka Nakua, uh, the the rookie record for receiving receptions and receiving yards, it wouldn't, I would not, it would not be outside of the possibility that <laughs> that Carson Wentz had like, if you get 12 rushing attempts on the season, we'll give you, you know, $50,000 or something like that. And Sean McVay was like, sure, we can do that. That's fine. It was, it was very weird. Yeah. I mean, the Puka thing I thought was the, like the funniest subplot of the game. Cause when the Niners like started triple teaming him on a like play action boot, I was like, all right, everyone who's playing this game knows what's happening in this mm-hmm. game and knows like why, why this game, like, you have to play the game, but everyone knows why this game's being played right now. And I thought it was the funniest thing. And I think Shanahan even said in his post-game presser, he was like, yeah, we wanted to make Nakua play the whole game, having to, you know, deal with us before he could get that, those, like, markers. And, you know, he got him. Credit to him. They got some easy throws near the end. But I actually thought Tim Kawakami had a whole article about how he was like, the Niners, like, making a meaningless game meaningful in this very particular way was actually like a sign of how they were able to kind of stay mentally engaged, even though it was like a very random game. And I was like, okay, I can see it. I mean, certainly, (laughs) I mean, the game certainly mattered to, to the defenders guarding Nakua. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and I I think if, if your plan was to, to leave him out like I think if Sean McVay had had his way he would have had that record by like the end of the first quarter and he could have sat him down almost immediately but the fact that it took into the third quarter to to get there was like late in the third quarter if I'm not mistaken like he played a large chunk of that of that game um which you know if if there's a and there is you know there's the outside possibility that the 49ers see the Rams here pretty quickly again and so that's uh um, that's certainly something to, to, to keep an eye on. And, and, and that also, that, that fact also plays into the fact that neither team was showing anything to, to the other side. Like f- for one, there's, there's absolutely no way that, that he's going to run Matthew Stafford. Like he did Carson Wentz in a, in an actual game that matters. Like this, these are two teams that know each other pretty well, but also two teams that had absolutely no intention of showing any real offense. It was, we, I mean, we talked about it last time. It was it was a preseason game that happened to to be played during the in the in week 18 of the regular season. Um, you know, would it have been nice if the Niners had won? They they, they probably should have, uh, save for a couple of uh, missed uh, kicks. They would have won the game. That sounds familiar. Um, and that would have gotten them to 13 wins, which I'm I'm a little bummed about because I believe I picked them to go 13 and four <laughs> before the season started. So. Um, and then, of course, it, it ruins their their perfect season against the NFC West and it ruins the run against the Rams in the regular season. The Rams get to, you know, hold over. Oh, they haven't beat us all these games in a row anymore. And it's just like, OK, that's kind of a <laughs> like, let's put a big old asterisk on this one and, and call it what it is like the you know, the second that the Devo Samuel and, and Brandon and I came out of the game for Sam Darnold, like it kind of fell apart. Like that was like at, as you would expect, like. 
when you when you got you know Ronnie Bell and Chris Conley as your your main receiving options at that point, your your things went about as well as you would have expected at that particular juncture for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll we'll talk about this as we kind of preview Wildcard Weekend, but I do actually. I think the Niners, even though they lose out on all these very neat things, I think they probably benefit from the turn of events that happened on wild card on week 18, mm-hmm. most specifically the Rams playing the lions as opposed to the Cowboys, because I'll, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll say my prediction, one particular prediction. I did, I think the Rams beat the lions and that almost assuredly means that they'll be playing the 49ers next week. And I think for the Niners, that's probably, probably a positive. Like if you had to choose a team that like had a legitimate chance to win, I don't like Packers, not talking about the Packers, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Packers aside, if you have to choose a team to, um to play in the wild, in the divisional round, I think the Rams would be the 49ers choice. So and that way, know. you know, I will, we'll talk about it. We'll get it. into that a little bit, but I'm not yeah. sure that that's the direction I would go, but that's just me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's all, it, it, it's fine. Like if it would have been nice if they'd won and get to 13 wins instead of 12, it's, it's all, who cares? Um, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the, at the end of the season, you know, come February 11th, if they, if they're hoisting the Lombardi trophy, they're not going to be like, well, yeah, we, we won the Super Bowl, but we only won 12 games during the regular season and we lost that darn game at the end of the year to the Rams like nobody's going to care um <laughs> at that point so that's they did they did the job that we've been talking about all all see all you know all regular season long which is make sure you set yourself up as effectively as you can for the playoffs and I I think they've done that for the most part um you know they managed to to get that number one seed and they managed to to get out of of the regular season relatively healthy I would say yeah I mean you know I spent we spent the entire year talking about how important it was that they got the one seed and how this entire regular season was stay healthy, stay engaged and get the one seed. And I mean, the fact that they were able to get it done, they've got their entire, like whatever they wanted to achieve this year, they've got the best setup for it possible. And I agree. You know, all you want is for them in February to be hoisting the Lombardi and it won't matter what anything, what any of the other stuff this entire season was because they'll finally get the championship. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Speaking of health, let's, let's talk about where the team is as they head into the bye week Obviously um, I believe Kyle Shanahan said today as we're recording on Tuesday night um, in the, the, the sort of setup for the week, they're going to practice a couple times, but it's not going to be like a super heavy week. It's mostly as you're saying, stay engaged try to improve as best you can without knowing who your who your next opponent will be. But they have plenty of time to before they have to worry about that. Depending on how the, the, the early games go, they may not even know who they're playing until Monday night. So that's um, kind of see how that will shake out. A um, couple of names to watch out for. Uh, so the one the one guy who didn't escape um, Sunday's game without injury was Cleland Farrell, who has a knee injury. It doesn't seem like it's a serious, serious injury, but it seems pretty likely that he's going to miss at least the divisional game. Um, it's it's not a tear or anything, but it's it is something to kind of watch out for. Um, I think Shanahan said there's a, a a pretty good chance he'll be available if they get out of the divisional round and they end up making it to the NFC Championship game, game and beyond. But for now, that will be a miss um, for the Niners in that game. However, 
Um, some good good names for guys who are expected to return to practice this week, including Eric Armstead, Jair Brown, Deshaun Gibson, and Ambry Thomas, all expected to practice this week. Uh, Juwan Jennings is finally out of the concussion protocol, which is really good news. I think my understanding was he was right on the on the cusp of of getting through it on like on, on Saturday before the game, but I think more than likely there was just like a precaution, like hey, he's not going to play that much anyway, so why even bother? going through it but he is out of the out of the protocol finally and he'll be able to move forward this week um they're not expecting christian mccaffrey to practice in the two practices this week but i think that's probably just a precaution just to make sure he continues to get the rehab he needs for that calf injury and then george odom will have his practice window open which means he has a like a a pretty good chance with two weeks to to go until the until the next game he has a pretty good chance to be available for um that uh, for the divisional game which would be a pretty big uh, a pretty big get back. Obviously, you get your one of your best special teams players back, and also you add to your uh, your safety depth, which has been a little bit thin lately uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, speaking of uh, secondary depth, the team also worked out cornerback Casey Hayward, who um, is a potential. It could be a guy that that takes over a, a spot on the practice squad and has a, a, a veteran foundation need to, to do some elevations later. So. I think mostly good news there on the injury front uh, heading into the bye week. Yeah, I mean, it hurts for Cleland Farrell, who I think has had a very good year, kind of playing that spot starter. But, you know, starter, but not really primary guy opposite Bosa, which, but he's done a fantastic job. It's a tough situation because, and I think I said this in our, like, collective Niner Noise group chat of just, like, He's not a guy you really would have rested. So it's not like one of those hindsight, like how on earth did you possibly play him and now he got hurt? What were you doing? It's an unfortunate reality of the fact that, like, you know, they still had games to play and they weren't able to keep everyone healthy. But, yeah, lots of good news. I mean, this team is gearing up for the stretch run as best they can. Other than Talano Hufanga, who's out for the year with, in this ACL tear, they're basically in position to have their completely healthy team. And that's all you could ask for, for the 49ers. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. Um, with, you know, three, hopefully three games left to play. Hopefully you can maintain that, that level of, uh, of, um, of, uh, of goodness moving in and health moving into that. I should also mention, we, we didn't talk about this because this happened after our last episode and I just, it just popped in my head. Um, they they named the Pro Bowl rosters between when or between our last episodes and the 49ers had um, nine players named to the Pro Bowl um, and 12 players named as alternates. Obviously, the 49ers hoping that they will not be uh, using any of those Pro Bowl spots. Um, notable names, of course, are the you know the guys that you expect to be there. Um, you know, Trent Williams was named to something like his eighth or ninth Pro Bowl or something. Um, Fred Warner, uh, Nick Bosa. Uh, George Kittle in the mix, um, but also first Pro Bowl uh, nods for Brock Purdy and Jarvarius Ward, which is really cool to see. Um, and then several other players that were that were named into those spots as well. Um, J- Javon Hargrave also a, a Pro Bowler in his first year with the 49ers, which is also cool to see. Um, who am I missing? So I got, I got I got Williams, Kittle, Warner, Hargrave, Purdy, Jarvarius Ward, Christian McCaffrey. Um, who has somehow only been named to three Pro Bowls, which I just like astounded me when I saw that. And I was like, what? How? What? How is that possible? Um, Kyle Juszczyk also on the list. So um, who's uh, I think uh, has not missed a Pro Bowl in his uh, in his 
career so far. So that's cool. Um, so it doesn't really matter. The Pro Bowl is kind of a silly thing at this particular point. And of course, the 49ers hoping they have a game to play the week after that. So none of their players will be there, but it is cool. They led the league in, in, in Pro Bowl uh, players this year. And I think that is a is a tribute to how well they've played this year. Yeah, but, you know, they <laughs> yeah, like the know. biggest snub of the yeah, entire yeah. like season. Brandon Ayuk, I mean, I I don't know how that it's inexcusable to me because he had counting stats too. Like mm-hmm. off efficiency metrics alone, Brandon Ayuk is should have been Pro Bowler. He's let me actually think this through. Yeah, I think he should be a first team All Pro receiver. He certainly played that way. He might not get it just because you know he doesn't have 1,900 receiving yards or whatever, but. You know, him being only an alternate, I think, is a big miss. And it's one of those it's one of those things where, you know, you kind of wish that the Niners threw a little more just so he could have gotten kind of the recognition he deserves. But, you know, it's a difficult situation. I think he, like everyone else, will be much happier if none of them are playing the Pro Bowl. But, you know, it would have been a big deal for him to get his first nod and that's a disappointing one for sure. Drake yeah. Greenlaw also not getting mm-hmm. a nod. Disappointing, but that's a little more difficult. Like I can understand not for a position that's already like not understood by most analysts. I can understand not like knowing being comfortable voting two linebackers on the same team. <laughs> but you know. Yeah, but, but 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 Bobby Wagner. I mean, no offense to Bobby Wagner. Oh. I did but not. come on, man. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Okay. Anyway. Never mind. Um, so there you go. Um, I think I think with Ayuk, I totally agree with you. I think part of it is because they're not actually playing a game anymore. Then there's only three receivers per conference, so it just turned out to be a numbers game for him. I mean, I don't think you can really argue against Ceedee Lamb. Um, you know, Puka Nakua did 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 what he did, and um, I'm trying to think who the third. NFC receiver was. Um, it's completely slipped my mind. Um, it will it will come to me later when I when I can't think of it. But AJ yeah, Brown I th- probably. Uh, oh yeah, it was AJ Brown. You're right. Um, I think if you have like a full complement of if like if you're actually playing the game and there's five wide receivers like there used to be, I think he probably gets in no problem. But yeah, I think that's 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 a travesty. Like the 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 pure. I mean, C D Lamb. Yeah, and it, it's hard to argue against that. I don't know, Puka Nakua, the, that it's a, it's a good rookie year and, and all that kind of stuff, but it's just not like a super efficient. <laughs> he's not a super efficient receiver like Ayuk is. So, but, but yeah, people aren't really looking at that. But anyway, um, good to see, good to see. Anyway, um, on to more pressing matters. So obviously the 49ers are not playing this week, so that's good. So we don't really have a game to preview or really a game to talk about. So this is kind of a weird middle ground, as I said uh, at the top of the episode. But we, we do want to talk briefly about um, the wild card weekend, we're really mostly going to focus on the NFC because the AFC isn't really our concern until it gets to later in the in the in the playoffs. Um, but just as kind of a breakdown, the AF oh, it's, it's weird the way that they scheduled the NFL scheduled this. All three AFC games will take place before any of the NFC games actually kick off, um, which is just weird. Um, and I don't understand why they did that, but they did that nonetheless. Um, so the Browns uh, will take on the Texans on Saturday afternoon, 4:30 uh, Eastern time. Uh, that will be followed by uh, the Dolphins and Chiefs at eight o'clock on Saturday night. 
interesting matchups in both in both cases. We should say uh, congratulations to former 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans for like a masterful turnaround of a Houston Texans team that was just just terrible last year. And now they're in the playoffs. So good for them. Um, then it's Steelers and Bills. I don't know how the Steelers made the playoffs, but they did it. So, wow, I guess. I don't I don't know. Uh, Steelers and Bills in a just strange matchup. That's one o'clock on Sunday, June, January 14th. And then it's the Packers and the Cowboys on Sunday afternoon at 430. Um, and then the Rams and Lions will close out the Sunday slate at 8 p.m. And then for some reason, Akshaz, that I need you to explain it to me because to my mind, this feels like this is going to be the worst game of the entire weekend. Uh, Eagles and Bucks to close it out on Monday Night Football um, in Tampa Bay. I don't I don't understand why that is the marquee game of the whole thing um, to close it out. It just feels like that's that one's going to be a, just a horrible game to watch. I don't know. So I agree. I think um, I think it has something to do actually with um, with the most advantage for the highest seeds. I think if I remember correctly, that's basically how they um, they always organize the playoffs. That's why the one seeds usually play on Saturday in the divisional round because they get more rest for the next week and also because there's less time after the layoff. And there's an advantage because, you know, teams have just played and now it's a semi-short week. So I'm wondering if it's just a – they were going to have a 4-5 or five there anyway. So mm-hmm. they just chose Philadelphia as opposed to totally blanking on uh, – Yeah, Browns, Texas. A, the Browns-Texans. Yeah. So I'm, I'm maybe it's just that, but honestly, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um it's it's just weird. Like that seems like that's like there's nothing good coming out of that game, but that's that's neither here nor there. But um, all right, so um, Browns Texans I think will be a very interesting matchup, but we don't have to really get into that necessarily. Dolphins Chiefs, the, the I don't know what's going to happen there. That's going to be a weird game. Uh, Bills Steelers, same kind of thing. Uh, Steelers will notably be without um, T.J. Watt in that one, and Watt might not play in these playoffs if they don't make it out of the first round. Um, and may not even play if they make it to the second round. It's a an MCL sprain, I believe. Um, but it's the the the, the, N- the NFC games, obviously, that we want to pay attention to. So we'll start um, Packers Cowboys. We don't have to get into the like in depth about all of them. Um, obviously, the the Packers going to Dallas, where Dallas has not lost this season, um, but they are coming off a pretty poor performance in their final home game against the Lions, a game that they could have lost, but thankfully from a 49ers perspective, they did not. Um, but that's definitely the worst that they've, that they've played at home all season. Um, you know, they pretty emphatically kicked the, the, the Washington commanders to the curb in week 18 when, especially like for some reason, continue to do so when they, when it was very clear that the Eagles had given up, uh, in their game, that was very strange. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know that the Packers have much of a fighting chance in this one. Um, but also, they've got an interesting like offensive team. They, I don't think they can stop anybody, but their their offense is pretty interesting. Yeah, that's definitely. Well, so the Bills have the like I think the highest like likelihood of winning, and like they're the biggest favorites in the weekend because the Steelers are. I don't even know what the Steelers are, but I do think I agree. I think the Cowboys, if the Cowboys lose this game. I think that says a lot more about Dallas as a team 
than it does about the Packers. Because this is a game that, like, Dallas, if they want to be, like, Super Bowl contenders, you can't drop this game. And well, Yeah, obviously. I mean, well, okay. <laughs> but, like, like it's, it shouldn't even be, like, a question. You know, the playoffs are weird, but you can think about the 49ers as the two seed last year. Had a bit of a rough start, but then curb stomped the Seahawks. And that's how you... Like, that's how you play when you're a better team. You just, you should dominate to that level. But I mean, it would be so funny if Mike McCarthy lost to the Packers. And <laughs> if the, if the Cowboys lost, there's no way that coaching staff stays. So, I mean, no. it would be, um, it would be ultimate chaos. But yeah, I agree. I think, th- I think the Cowboys just, they're too talented. Their offense will put up a ton of points and, you know, I trust the Cowboys' defense more than the Packers' defense to make a play. I mean, look, just for the record, I'm not against the Packers winning this game just because I, I think they'll come into Santa Clara the week after that and just get curb stomped. Um, you know, good for the Packers. Like, they're, by all accounts, a year or two ahead of schedule right now. Like, this is supposed to be a rebuilding season for them, and Jordan Love has turned out to be, I think, better than they might have even anticipated. Um, but they're very up and down and that wide receiver core is really inconsistent and very young. And just the team across the board is very young. And I think obviously if if they continue to improve, they're going to be a problem in the years to come. But, um, I'm also kind of rooting for the, for the Packers to win solely because, um, my friend who is a Packers fan, I think I mentioned on the podcast before it's his birthday the weekend after that. And we're going out of town to like hang out and do stuff for his birthday. And so it'd be really cool if they were playing Saturday night while we were out and about. And um, I would only feel good about that if if the 49ers then just proceeded to beat the Packers into the ground. But um, that's neither here nor there. Um, all right. So we both think the Cowboys are probably going to win that game and probably should win that game, um, which means that it will come down to either uh, the Rams or the winner of the Eagles Buccaneers game to travel to Santa Clara. If that does indeed come to fruition, um, the Rams and Lions play Sunday night, as I mentioned, 8 p.m. in Detroit. Matthew Stafford returning to Detroit after all those years where he couldn't win them a playoff game. And now he comes into Detroit or he couldn't even get him to the playoffs. And he comes into Detroit and maybe has an opportunity to just ruin their first playoff game in a long time, which just seems wrong to me. But I don't know. You know, that's a it's a tough case for a. For Lions fans, you get this this really resurgent year. The vibes are high. You know, do I think the Lions can win the Super Bowl? No, but I definitely think they're they're a really fun team and a really good team. And then boom, go against your former franchise icon. You traded away to jumpstart this whole thing. It's going to be a fun one, I think. Um, between that. And Browns Texans, those are probably my two favorite games for the week. Because I think the Rams, you know, they're a really interesting case. Obviously, the Niners, I've seen them a bit more often, so we know a little more about them. But they're they've really like come into their own. But at the same time, you don't really know where this team is per se. Like they're don't get me wrong, they're not a bad team, but I don't think we you can really tell exactly how good the Rams are. And, you know, the Lions defense has not been very great this year. It's been okay and they're getting some players back, so it could get better. 
So it's an interesting kind of situation where you don't really know which team's going to come on top. So it'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of parallels between these two teams. It's two pretty good offenses. I think Detroit on the whole probably has a, a slightly more explosive offense than the Rams do. Um, at least throughout the season, that's been the case. Although I think you still have to give the quarterback um, nod to the, to the Rams in this particular case of Stafford's good to go and everything. Um, but both defenses are, uh, have like really good single players on them and Aaron Donald and Aiden Hutchinson, and then just a lot of question marks in other places, right? Like, it's just like, you could see this game being like, get into the, both teams get into the thirties and then, you know, for, it's like first team to 40 is going to win the game. I could certainly see that being a situation where, where that the game plays out like that. I don't feel like either defense is going to be able to. To, to make much of a dent in the game and whichever one kind of overcomes the, the opposing offense just a little bit will probably be the, the team that ends up winning this game. I, I, I got to think the hype of, of Detroit having a playoff game. It's been years and years since they've won a playoff game. That's got to give them like a little, like because the teams are, are pretty close together, I think in terms of just talent and, and, and that sort of thing that, that maybe the, the slight, edge can go to Detroit because it's a home game and and the, and the, and, and, and they, they really want to see their team get that victory. Maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part, but I, th- I just kind of see it going just slightly that way. I don't know. Interesting. I, I feel like the Rams are going to win this game. I think, um, they're, um, it's one of those things where it's a tough situation because I don't think like they're like clearly better. It's not like a, usual NFC East type situation where the five seed is better than the NFC South's like team. And <laughs> that's, it's like a four guy more on that in a second. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, um, but I do think that it's going to be a close game, but I, I would say I trust the Rams defense a little more. Sure. And most importantly, I trust Jared Goff a lot less. And, you know, I think Goff has actually done quite a good job after um, his time in LA, he's really played quite well for the Lions. But you know, I I just don't I don't know. I'm not able to. I can't. You can't get me to trust Jared Goff in a playoff game to um, to make those throws. And I do think if anyone can know how to rattle him, it's his former team. <laughs> that's that's fair. Um, and they would also know what it what it's like to just almost get there with with Jared Goff as well. So interesting. A lot of, lot of storylines coming out of that one, so it'll be super interesting. And then that leads us to the aforementioned um, game that you were referring to where the, the five seed from the NFC East goes in to play the NFC South. Except for this one feels much different, doesn't it? Like, even though the Eagles are 12 and 5, or sorry, 11 and 4, 11 and 6, right? Um, 11 and 6 heading into this game, and the Buccaneers are barely over 500. Gosh, doesn't it kind of feel like the Eagles are like broken beyond repair at this point in the season, like given the way that their season ended and we don't know if AJ Brown's going to be able to play. I don't know what Jalen hurt, like his finger was gross. Did you see that? That was really gross looking Um, like his middle finger was like bent in directions. It shouldn't go Devonta Smith, obviously Um, a, a question mark heading into this game. And it just feels like. I don't know. I think the 49ers broke them, and I'm not really sure that the Eagles have anything left in them to to fight through this for the rest of the of the playoffs. And I just 
I can really see a situation where the Buccaneers are just good enough to 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 beat them in their home stadium in the Buccaneers so I'm staying well, really, in a situation where yeah god I'm oh, sorry sorry I thought no I god. you cut out man <laughs> I, I really don't want the that to happen because look I think it's cool that the Bucks won the NFC South Baker somebody had to story this is true but um I'm not you're not convincing me that the Cowboys at home don't like dominate the Buccaneers and that's the so I think we'll wrap up probably this wild card discussion by talking about exactly like what this means for the 49ers and what like turn of events they'd want to have happen. And I think last year the Giants and Vikings like stunner of a game that was ridiculous, but also expected for the Vikings to like lose that game to the Giants right. really threw a wrench because you know the Niners had to play a tough Dallas team while Philly got you know, a Giants team that was honestly just happy to be there and barely put in an effort in a playoff game. I mean, that was that was horrible. And, you know, the Niners playing in, let's say, whatever I said happens, happens. The Niners playing the Rams as opposed to the Buccaneers. It's not a lot of fun, you know. Yeah. That's So in that way, I don't want that to happen, but <laughs> – I don't I agree. I don't know what's going on in Philly. I don't understand like how bad is it? Like what's ha- what's happening there? Is it is it possible like is it like a thing? Are they just regressing? Are they broken? I don't know. I they losing to the Giants as bad as they did in a game they like they like, needed. They needed. They had like, to win. They, it. <laughs> they had to win to give themselves a chance and to come out like that. I mean, oh boy. It's a tough, it's a tough skid to be on entering the playoffs. But you know, I'm not gonna like discount Philly. I think they're a very talented football team, and if anyone can make a run these playoffs, I think, like I think for all the hemming and hawing that's been said about the NFC this year, I do think the three teams that were most likely to make the Super Bowl from the NFC at the start of the year, the 49ers, Cowboys, and Eagles. That still holds true despite all the different things that have happened. So, you know, I prefer if they if they get their act together, I'd prefer that Dallas have to deal with that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's fair. Um, but I'm also okay with like the the Lions and Cowboys facing each other again because I feel like based on like their first matchup was was pretty like pretty intense and i feel like if those two teams faced in that same scenario again and we got a very similar game then it would be very 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 much the same as as that as the situation was for philadelphia last year if the buccaneers have to go into santa clara especially on a short week um i don't know if the if the nfl would hold that you know and if and if, and if the top seed gets the saturday games in that situation um because it's monday night Maybe they move. Maybe the 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 the, the NFC the the 49ers get like a Sunday night game or something like that instead. But man, like what an advantage that would be if if Buc- if the Buccaneers won and and the Lions won and the Cowboys won and the, I mean whoever wins if if the if the Cowboys and the Lions win I feel like it's a like an a extra added advantage for 49ers for whomever wins that 
that Eagles Bucks game because they're going to have a short week regardless of what happens. And it may be an even shorter week, depending on how the scheduling works out. So I'm, I'm kind of rooting for that. Mostly, <laughs> mostly because the Rams are probably the only other team in the, in the, are the, are the team in the divisional round that gives me like a, like, okay, they, I don't like, I don't want to play them. They're annoying. Like they're like pesky little brother that I feel like is going to come in and make it more difficult in the divisional round than almost any other t- team that they could face. It's interesting you say that because if I had to go who I want the 49ers to play in the divisional, I'd probably go number one, the Packers again, nothing against the Packers, but Joe Barry has shown throughout his career. He has no idea what to do against Kyle Shanahan. And I mean, if Jimmy Garoppolo could drop back eight times and win a football (laughs) game, you're telling me Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers now can't do that? I I highly doubt it. Yeah. After that, I'd probably go Bucks because again, like good team, but we saw this story already and the 49ers had to basically eat Ufanga's injury and still like had like a two touchdown lead the entire game essentially. It wasn't great, but I mean, they played kind of poorly and still were in a position to win. Then I'd go, but I think, and this might be where you and I disagree. I'd say I'd rather play the Rams than the Eagles because I agree. I think the Rams are going to be really annoying and difficult. They're a really good team. And, you know, they can, um, divisional games are always weird. That's kind of the way it goes. But Philly is like, for as well as the 49ers played in Philly, and I don't like. I don't think Philly can will beat the 49ers. I think they're a team with so much like raw talent. All you need is like one or two plays, and like that's a team that is def- is less than the sum of their parts right now. Something is not working there. But if that team like if they figure it out in the playoffs, that's real. You don't want to be like why. My thing is like why deal with that? Let. Sure. Dallas have to deal with that whole situation. But, you know, I don't know. I definitely think there's a clear divide between playing the Packers and Bucks versus playing the Rams or Eagles. Yeah. And I think that's fair. Um, I I think you could, I'd certainly agree with you in that, in that order, generally speaking. Um, But, you know, it kind of, some of it just depends. Like if the Eagles go in there and like, absolutely like, trounce the, the Buccaneers and then at that point I'll come like okay yeah let's I'm I'm gonna at that point I'd be really glad if the Rams beat the Lions because it's like eh, I'll deal with those guys right now um but if if they ended up like winning the game a little bit and you're kind of like okay well that wasn't very convincing and they don't still don't seem like if it's one of those games that they kind of pull out of their butts at the end of the game like they did very much so in the in the beginning of the year I don't know. We'll see. Obviously, it's the last game of the year. We or last last game of the of the wild card weekend. So there's there won't be any control because what will be done will be done already. Uh, if the Packers have already beaten the Cowboys, then it won't matter what happens the rest of the weekend. If the Cowboys win and the Lions win, then it really matters what happens on Monday. If Cowboys win and the Rams win, then it won't matter what happens in that game. So it's it's it, it's kind of interesting the way that they play that out too. So. All right. Um, Akshas, any final thoughts about the wild card weekend before we do one more final thing to wrap this episode up? Well, just, you know, the AFC is not particularly important to us right now, but I got to say, I, I love watching the Texans play. Yeah. And that's probably because 
they just look like the 49ers on defense. <laughs> but, I mean, C.J. Stroud throws throws a football as good as I've seen a quarterback throw it. And, I mean, I don't mean that in, like, he has the greatest arm or whatever, but, like, when he throws a football, it just looks good. And, I mean, that was such a fun game. It was um, kudos to D'Amico Ryans for really turning that around. You know, it's – um, I think, you know, Mike McDaniel – also in the playoffs, had a little bit of a slowdown getting there. But I just think the 49ers coaching tree is really branching out and I think is really starting to kind of get its talents into the NFL. Uh, you know, there's a non-zero chance that Bobby Slowick ends up a head coach somewhere with how well he worked with C.J. Stroud. And I think even Sala has done, like, the defense – New York has been phenomenal. He's like he's got that team going. It's just the other side of the ball. But yeah, you know, I think anywhere <clears throat> 49ers assistants have gone, you've seen some of the reasons why they've been so successful in their roles with the 49ers. And it's I always like it. I think it's cool to see when assistants are really doing well because it kind of shows you just how like just how like good your team was in a way that these guys can go to other franchises and have great success. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think all those all those AFC games are going to be super interesting. But we'll 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 get into the AFC more when we get into the divisional round because we'll have a better idea of how we would like to see that kind of shape out with just four teams left um, on either side. So, all right. So, real quickly, I don't want to like linger on this, but wanted to to hand out some. It is the end of the season, so we wanted to do some some end of season awards, uh, specifically focusing on the 49ers. We're not going to branch out of 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 anything beyond that. Um, 
So we're going to go quickly through um, team MVP, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, rookie of the year. And then we're going to do biggest surprise. So a player that, that kind of came out and we're like, OK, that was a really good season for them. Um, not expect we didn't expect much from them, but they they played well. And then just a disappointment, a player that we thought was going to have a bigger impact on the season and just didn't absolutely do that. So um, maybe we'll agree on some of these. Maybe we won't. Um, but I'll let you start with uh, team MVP and we'll see where it goes. All right. So team MVP, I'm going to go with someone who's definitely going to win overall offensive player of the year in the NFL, Christian McCaffrey. I think his impact cannot be understated on this team. And, you know, he like, he's the engine that makes things go so much of the 49ers office revolves around him and his gravity and him being able to go everywhere, running the ball so well, catching the ball. It's all like, it's all good. So, I'll have to go McCaffrey team MVP. When he was limited, you saw the 49ers struggle. And I think there's a reason why that was the case. Yeah, I think that's that's a, that's a good shout. Um, I went with a guy that up until a couple of weeks ago had a real opportunity to win the MVP of the league and played one bad game and that suddenly went away. So I don't know how that happened, but I'm going to go with Brock Purdy. Um, it's It's weird. Like I've been reading some things about his like MVP case. Um, it's just like, um, I, I think it was, I'm trying to remember who I was reading about the other, I think it was Bill Barnwell, um, from ESPN who was, who was doing like, he was picking the top three for all, all the major awards and he had Purdy as number two. And he just like, his whole explanation was if this were any other year, like there's absolutely no way he would lose the MVP award. Like he's just going through all these statistics that he's leading the league in this and that and the other thing. And it's just like, uh, okay, but what? but he's not winning because he had one he had his worst game on national television. Like he even said if he had had that game, that worst game at one o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday, then it wouldn't have mattered that much, which I think kind of sucks a little bit, but I understand like, <laughs> um, but also feel there's a little bit of a bias going on here because he was, you know, the last pick in the draft and nobody expected these things and all that stuff. So um, I think, you know, he, while I, I agree McCaffrey is a major part of this and I'll get to him in a minute. Um, I think, you know, Purdy is the, the 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 straw that stirs the drink, if you will. And I think he's um, he's allowed Shanahan to really open up his playbook in a way that he hasn't in other seasons with other quarterbacks. And I think it's pretty apparent that this is probably the best version of the offense that we've seen since Shanahan has been around. So um, pretty simple call for me. So no, no other thoughts on that. So. Um, all right. Offensive player of the year. Actually, we'll start well, so Christian McCaffrey is obviously the MVP of the team, so I'm not going to make him Offensive Player of the Year as well. But I think the Offensive Player of the Year, to me, is a guy that I think makes the offense go. As much as McCaffrey's important, I think when the 49ers need something to happen, they throw the ball to Brandon Ayuk. And, you know, I talked about – we talked about why his major Pro Bowl snub. And, yeah, the counting stats aren't great, but, I mean – he leads the league in receiving yards per attempt on pretty high volume too. This isn't like a guy who comes in for five shot plays, catches two, and then boom, two catches a hundred yards and a touchdown. Ayuk is running 12 yard routes, winning them dominantly. He's always open. And I think he's ascended into that like elite wide receiver range. I don't think, you can have a conversation in the NFL about the best wide receivers and not include him. And I'm hoping that this playoff run is one of those times he can really 
kind of make himself known on a national audience because I certainly think he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. I think he does everything this 49ers team needs him to do and then some. And if he was on a team that threw the ball like 15 more times a game, he might have like 1,900 yards and like five more touchdowns because he's just that good a player. Yeah. Um, Ayuk was definitely on my list. I had him listed as like the second one if you went with who I, my first choice, which is Christian McCaffrey. Um, interesting fact, Akshaz, I believe I believe I saw this the other day. He's the first player to ever uh, have his scrimmage yards equal the year of the season. <laughs> he finished the year with 2,023 yards, which I think is kind of cool. Um, obviously leads the league in rushing. Uh, first 49er to do it since the 1950s, which is just like kind of crazy to think that like I don't know how they've gone all these years with all with these great running backs that they've had and it was uh, Joe the Jet Perry the last time they won the rushing title um so it was barely the NFL as we know it at that particular juncture um so really cool to see he had like 300 more yards than Derrick Henry um I think everything that you said about why he's the MVP of this team certainly holds true in this particular case um and I just think it's it's really cool to have him on the team uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention, I've, I forgot to mention this about Brock Purdy. So he finished fifth in the NFL in passing yards this year. Um, but of course, he did so on significantly fewer attempts than any of the guys above him. And he also, I was trying to do the math of how many quarters that he missed this season in total because they were blowing out the other team and he sat out the fourth quarter. I got to think that he missed, including Sunday's game, that he missed maybe two full games worth of quarters. And he somehow managed to set the 49ers record for for passing yards and was still fifth in the NFL in passing yards. It only can you only imagine what he would have done if he had they had been like, you know what, just leave him in the game. We're going to keep throwing the ball. It'll be fine. Um, he might have gotten to, you know, forty five hundred or something like that if he'd been able to do that or more, maybe. So, um, yeah, Christian McCaffrey, he's pretty good. Um, NFL dot com. Please restock the red um, the red throwback jerseys for McCaffrey because they've been gone for a long time and I want one you mean people anyway all right <laughs> um defensive player of the year um Akshaz I think there's a lot of ways this could go but uh, what do you think so this is this is tough because there's three guys I'm thinking of and I know you're probably thinking about the same three so I'm gonna say one we'll probably see the other and then I might wrap around and mention the third person <laughs> okay just Sounds because good. I feel like you got to mention all of them being intentionally vague. Of course, I'm going to say Fred Warner. I just think, you know, we made the case for him to be defensive player of the year in like week five, week six. I think his play got a little less awesome, like insane, spectacular, best, like best defensive player in the league. Fitness. And I think part of that was just, it's a long season, but Fred Warner, I think is what allows the 49ers to do like a ton of crazy things. He's a great blitzer, so he can bring really good pressures. He's great in the run game, but as like a pass covering linebacker, he's the best in the league and it's not close. I mean, he, when you look at the heat map of opposing quarterbacks throwing against the 49ers, the middle of the field is like barren. And that's not normal. Those are the easy yards for NFL teams. But against the 49ers, you don't do that because 54 is there. And he erases, like, the most important part of the field for an offense. And I just think, you know, he's got more of the counting stats this year. And that was a huge boost. I think if his tackling was a little up and if the 49ers defense didn't have this 
didn't have a the loss to the Ravens and the loss to the Bengals, I think he could have actually won it. And also if the Browns didn't have like a historically good defense. Narratives are hard to beat when it comes to these awards. And I think Miles Garrett had a good one going on his side. So Yeah. I but if <laughs> Warner sorry. Warner should definitely be in the conversation. Sorry, you were saying. No, that I think that I think that's right. Um also TJ Watt had nineteen sacks again. <laughs> so that probably doesn't hurt the like I mean it's always this is always gonna be the defensive player of the year award is, and we mentioned this when we talked about it earlier in the year. It's always going to be like a pass rusher who racks up a lot of sacks, or on the rare occasion, a defensive back who just has an insane season, um, you know, with interceptions and all that kind of stuff. Um, consequently, Warner finished the season with 132 tackles, including six for loss and five quarterback hits, along with four interceptions, 11 pass defense, and four forced fumbles on the season. So not not too bad in the counting stats, but as you know. It's 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 tough for a linebacker, especially a middle linebacker, to break it. Unless you're Luke Keekley, who I'm still mad he took that award from Barl Bowman, but neither here nor there. All right. Um I'm gonna go with uh Jarvarius Mooney Ward, um, who was just like utterly fantastic for the 49ers this season, played in all 17 games, finished with five uh interceptions, uh, including one pick six. Uh that was a really important <laughs> pick six um in that game. Um, also finished the season with 72 tackles, which is a, a, a whole lot for a cornerback, um, which just kind of shows you one um, how you know efficient he was in cleaning up opportunities when when his when his opposing receiver did catch the ball, but also his ability to to step up in the run game. He also led the team with 23 passes defended this season, which is just an absolute insane number. Um, I would I would like to see more like analytic like analytics like target like how many targets and all that kind of stuff he had. And and then how much um you know what percentage of his of his of his targets he was able to get a hand on, uh, which would include his five interceptions and his uh, and his twenty three pass defense. Um, just just as a, a point of reference, uh, Fred Warner was second on the team, and I mentioned he had eleven. So that's that's quite a gap between <laughs> those two. But I think he has solidified himself as the player that the 49ers thought they were getting when they signed him to a contract two years ago. Um, and you know, you, you feel really good when he's out there and you feel like he's going to do the job that he needs to do. Um, you know, he's not the fastest guy out there, but he does the job. And, and I think um, when they when they made the decision, I believe it was the, the Philadelphia game when they decided he was just going to follow A.J. Brown around um, right before the game started. And that that felt to me like that was like, you're the guy like this is this is your you're, you're the guy back there and we, we trust you completely. So I'm going to go with the Charvarius Ward in this. All right, good. I was worried that we weren't going to talk about Mooney Ward, but we did. So I guess the <laughs> third guy who um, we didn't mention is Nick Bosa, who sure. is obvious, I think, had a down year by his standards. And as much as no one likes to admit these things, definitely the contract situation played a big role. Like, that's just how it works, is that mm-hmm. you're a little slow getting back. The defensive line as a whole was kind of struggling at the beginning, so not much to say there, but he's so important to this team. And even in an off year, he had a pretty phenomenal like season. I think he led the league or was top like three in pressures, mm-hmm. which is just, you know, on like an off year to be league leading or near league leading in something is just, it's the sign of greatness. And you know, I think this year of any, he's kind of been 
miss. He's been less talked about. I think other pass rushers have kind of had the gaudy numbers and the narratives, and Bosa's kind of, you know, settled quietly in. But he's the elite of the elite, and the 49ers will definitely – and he plays well when it comes to the playoffs. So he's going to – if people have forgotten about him, they're going to remember Nick Bosa's name. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take a 10-and-a-half stack down season you know if mm-hmm. if if for the remainder of that contract if the worst that he does through the re- remainder of that contract in one season is 10 and a half sacks i think we're doing okay um just gotta say like i think i think everything's gonna be fine but yeah I've, I've, obviously a little bit of a slow start but he he came around and i think he was definitely and will continue to be one of their most important players for sure uh without a doubt all right um rookie of the year should be a pretty quick one mostly because this rookie class does not uh, is not featured a terribly large amount. Um, so I'll, 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 I'll kick it over to you and oops, kick it. Um, that might be a little giveaway. Uh, but is there another way to go besides that name that I might be hinting at? Well, so I'm not going to choose a rookie that is behind two of the 49ers fives losses. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, 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 I, that's, I, that's I, I refuse on principle. So um, I, um, I'll go with Jair Brown, who I think had to play a little sooner than anyone on the 49ers wanted and had had his rough points, but definitely looks like a safety for the future and a safety for the present. I mean, I think he's not, like, incredible. He's not, like, career-changing, like, Hall of Famer off the bat. You know he's going to be the greatest thing ever. But I think he plays quite well for kind of the situation he was put in. And I think he's probably in the upper half of safeties that are going to be playing in the playoffs this year because he's a, he's a good player. He's young, he's instinctual, and I think he'll get better over time. And you know, for a draft class, that was a little all over the place. He was one of those guys that had to hit to kind of restock the cupboards a bit. And I think the Niners got a good one there. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that's, that's a, that's a good call. I had him, written down here as well um and frankly if they're going to win the super bowl then he's going to need to be a key cog in this defense going forward i I don't think um that the niners want to depend on logan ryan or throwing isaiah oliver back there or having to to throw george odom in on defense when they prefer to keep him on a special teams guy um they they really want jr brown to, to be the guy back there with deshaun gibson for this season and then hope that Talano Hufanga is ready to go for the regular season next year. And the two of those guys, I think, will be the the pairing of the future, which is, I think, exciting. Like, it's good to have two young um, playmaking guys back there. And you just hope that they can they can be a good pair back there. Um, we should mo- note Jake Moody. Yeah, obviously, he was responsible on some level. Like, let's not give him the whole of the loss against the Browns. The 49ers didn't play that well against the Browns, first and foremost. Yes, he still could have won the game at the end in spite of the fact that they didn't play that well. But, you know, I think it's a little unfair to, to say that they lost that game because Jake Moody lost the kick. It's kind of true, but it's also like if they were if they had played better, they wouldn't have been in that situation in the first place. Um, and certainly it is a little bit concerning that the that part of the reason that they lost this game against the Rams was because he lot, he missed an extra point. His first one of the season, by the way, um, and missed a, a field goal um, that made a very loud and scary sound. Um, when he hit that, uh, when he, when he hit things. Um, so that's, it's certainly something to, to watch out for. Um, but I think by and large, um, 
he he did pretty well. Like obviously the fact that he was a third round draft pick and the fact that they made a big deal out of grabbing him in the third round um, puts a little bit of a bigger target on his back. But I think if you remove all of that, um, he had a pretty good rookie season. He was not any less accurate during the regular year than, than Robbie gold was last year, by the way, Um, in terms of his field goal accuracy, I think they were both at 84% on the season. Um, And yeah, you'd like to see him, trying to figure that out. And a lot of what his rookie season looks like is going to really be dependent on what happens during these playoffs. And you just hope it won't come down to that. But if, if it does, you hope they'll be able to step up. So just wanted to, to note a couple of those things. I know, I know nobody's thrilled about the the rookie kicker, whatever, but it is what it is. And that's, that's where we are. So I think it's worth noting there. Um, all right. Akshay's biggest surprise of the season for you. Well, so this is how I'm able to fit in, I think, the trifecta of offensive players that were really important. I'm going to say Brock Purdy. I will fully admit I was a skeptic of his play. I thought, you know, there was going to be some type of regression. But Purdy played much better than um, I expected him to. I can say this now that, like, it seems ridiculous to say it loud. I legitimately thought Purdy's injury would cause him to be a backup this year because Lance would re-grab the starting job. I I thought that was the outcome we were heading towards, but I was proven as wrong as I think someone can be proven wrong <laughs> when it comes to a particular prediction. But, you know, I think Purdy played really well, and he took those steps of improvement of just constraining himself within the offense a little more and kind of getting more efficient. And that's the big thing because Brock Purdy, as I think I've said a couple of times, and as like is fairly evident, there's not a lot of physical growth that's going to come, right? Mm-hmm. At this point, he's not going to be a guy who has prodigious arm talent that you're trying to harness. He's built his arm strength up, and I think that's huge, and that's a testament to his work ethic. But he's going to win in the NFL by processing. And that takes time, that takes reps, and he's getting better at it. And I didn't expect him to be as good at it as I thought he would be this year. And I think that was the reason why the 49ers were able to get a lot of success with him. And, you know, I thought quarterback was going to be another question mark this year. I thought we were going to head into this offseason with another quarterback discussion. But he's the guy. He's going to finish probably – Top three in the MVP, and as you said, prob- honestly, probably should win it, even with all the discussion and noise, or at least be second behind Lamar Jackson. And, um, you know, that's, that's an insanely good year. That's probably the best year a 49ers quarterback has had since maybe if you, like, take Colin Kaepernick's end of the 2012 season and, like, 2013 season – like push it all together. That probably is up there as well. But other than that, this is like 49er quarterbacks have not been this good in a very, very long time. And Brock yep. Purdy did it. And we're just like, I'm like not even amazed. And I think that's a huge improvement on his part. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that, that I, I didn't even think about that as like a, I, I mean, I, I, I can't, Think about whether or not I I was feeling confident in him or not at the beginning of this season. That seems so long ago at this point, but certainly it's it's a surprise that he's playing as that he played as well as he did this year. Um, and you just hope that's something he can continue to do. Did you have Did you have more names that you wanted to mention, or was that 
Well, um, I think, you know, other surprise, I think Demo Lenore, I didn't expect to be really solid as the second corner. I think mm-hmm. Ambry Thomas, too. I just think the corners yeah. have played much better than I thought they would. And honestly, beyond that, the other one would be Ayuk again, but I feel like <laughs> I talk about him too much, so I'll kind of I'll leave it at that. Yeah, um, yeah, I think those are all good shouts. I think maybe you know the Steve Wilkes impact on the the cornerbacks is maybe a little bit um, un, unsung here in this particular case, but obviously that's his background, so maybe that maybe that has something to do with it. I, I imagine that can't have hurt um, guys like Diamondor Lenore and Ambry Thomas for sure. Um, for, for me, I had two names that I wanted to mention. So we met, we talked about Cleveland Farrell and his injury. I think the fact that he has been a solid, if unspectacular player this year, um, given his, his run with the Raiders prior to coming to the 49ers, I think the fact that the 49ers have been able to count on him as a, you know, the starter, but not really the starter. Like he's the first guy out there, but um, especially once Chase Young has come into the into the fold, he's not really the the main guy there. Um, but he's been a, a really solid contributor, especially as a run defender. Um, you know, and maybe that's all that he is, was 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 capable of, of of doing is being a solid guy. But I think it's been really important to have him out there, and I think that's going to be a fairly big miss uh, for the 49ers um, in the division round if he can't go. Uh, the other name that I want to mention, because this is not somebody that we've talked about at all this year, but it's it's somebody who has been, I think, much maligned, like, completely against his, uh, you know, there's nothing he could have done about it. Um, but that's Javon Kinlaw, who was obviously a first-round pick, a guy that they ostensibly brought in to replace DeForest Buckner. I don't think that was really what they were trying to do. I think it just so happened that they traded DeForest Buckner and then took a defensive tackle I don't think in their minds they were like, oh, this guy is going to be the exact replacement for DeForest Buckner. But that is how it worked out. Obviously, he's had a difficult um, career with injuries and all that kind of stuff. But this is the first time he's played in all 17. He played in all 17 games this year. Um, ended up with three and a half sacks, um, 25 tackles, uh, three pass defenses, um, six quarterback hits. Um, just, you know, I think he probably saved his career this year. Um, and, and I don't think that's an over-exaggeration at all. Like, I, I don't know if he had continued to struggle with injuries or continued to underperform or continue to not perform at all. I'm not sure that he would have had a, a career after this. And whether or not he comes back, back to the 49ers or whether or not some other team sees something in him after this year because they didn't pick up his fifth-year option, so he's a, he'll be a free agent after this year. I, th- I think it's pretty safe to say that Javon Kinlaw has given himself another chance to continue to play in the NFL. And that's just a testament to his work ethic, and I think good for him. I agree with Clyde and Farrell. I think, um, you know, I still remember a conversation in the offseason and my profound disappointment in him being the solution at defensive end, but he's done exactly what the 49ers have wanted out of him and just been incredible. And then for Kinlaw, absolutely. I mean, I don't think what you're saying is hyperbolic at all. His play has really showed that when he's healthy, he can make a difference, and I think he's been a huge addition. At the beginning of the year, they had that five defensive lineman look because he was playing so well. Armstead being hurt has kind of changed the calculus of things like that, but that's a wrinkle he can bring back, and that only works because Javon Kinlaw is playing like as well as he has, and I just think he's um he's gone from 
kind of not being able to even harness his physical capabilities, let alone like play just like he hasn't like, he's so raw because he's been hurt so much. It's been a real struggle, but you just watch him play and you see like, he's a freak athlete in the league of freak athletes. And that's, he's phenomenal. I totally agree with you. Yeah. And if, I mean, if they're able to get Armstead healthy, suddenly that defensive tackle position that was looking a little thin over the last couple of weeks, you got Armstead, you got Hargrave, you got Kinlaw, you got Sebastian Joseph day, you know, Kevin Givens has played pretty well this season. Like that's like, nobody should have a five defensive tackle rotation. Like that doesn't make any sense. And they're five pretty good players. I mean, obviously there's a drop off between Armstead, you know, once you get past Armstead and Hargrave, but those next two guys, pretty good and kevin Givens is, is a solid player like you're gonna lose a little something but not a lot like if you can rotate those five guys if that's that's your group not to mention you got bosa and you got um you, you got um chase young and you got randy gregory and maybe i don't know whoever is going to be that fourth guy with if cleveland farrell can't go robert beal maybe who i thought had a pretty good game on sunday um yeah i mean the defensive line is looking like it's going to really be an, an important part of this this super bowl run for sure all right, last one before we wrap this up. And this was this is hard because you have to point out a player that we were ex- expecting more out of, but uh, biggest disappointment. I think this is tough as well. Um, you know, I think we're our podcast is pretty positive about players, pretty negative about the team. I'd I'd argue that's the direction I go at least. Is like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um. I'll, I guess I'll say I'll say two two second year players who I think the 49ers were hoping for a jump from and didn't see. I think Spencer Burford is still not there yet to be a full starter in the NFL. I think John Feliciano's covered up a lot of that, which is like fine. Being an offensive lineman is very difficult and it's a huge transition. And he didn't particularly play against high-level competition in college. So there's going to be a long transition. He played well enough to give himself a chance, even being this discussion. But I think the 49ers would have liked not having to rotate in right guards again. Then I think Drake Jackson just is still missing something, some important aspect of pass rushing or like just working on his body that's just not allowed him to reach that next level. And I mean, his play was a huge part of why the 49ers defense started to struggle. It's why the 49ers traded for Chase Young. And it's why now he's on injured reserve. And I don't think he's going to be reactivated. I no. think this is going to be one of those. All right. See you next year. Um, take some time, get ready in the off season and come out and show us why you deserve to be on this team. And, you know, for a second round pick, that was a high value pick for the 49ers and they took him hoping he could be that bookend to Bosa. He's shown flashes, but I don't think he's done enough to guarantee that spot for himself. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking Drake Jackson as well. Um, and yeah, it, it, it seems like his season is done. Um, I think Shanahan said today that he's not healthy enough to come off IR yet. It doesn't mean that he's definitely done, but I'll, uh, also it's just going to come down to a numbers game with, with somebody like that. Right. Like, are they really there? Who else? What would they do with a roster? Um, 
with especially for a guy who's who was underperforming um, as it is. He ends the season. He played eight games, uh, had three sacks. Obviously, that was all in one game. Um, <laughs> so not not really what you want. And especially, as you noted, with her second round pick, a guy that they were really counting on to be the, the, the guy opposite Bosa. And the fact that he didn't work out forced the 49ers hand to, to make that trace the Chase Young trade. You know, it, 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 was, it was fine. Like, obviously, we, we talked about how great of a trade it was because they didn't have to give up that much or really anything at all. Um, and we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, but Chase, more will be expected of, of Drake Jackson in the future. And so he's going to need to to come in and next year ready to ready to really do some things and really take the opportunity. The good news is he's only 22 years old, so maybe there's still an opportunity there for him. Um, but yeah, I think that's 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 pretty much the main thing. Um, yeah. Any other final thoughts on, on this season? It was just kind of a crazy regular season, but you know, off we go into the playoffs, it's 2024 and it's time to go, man. Any, uh, final thoughts as we wrap this one up? Just, you know, it, it was weird. I mean, for five weeks, the 49ers looked like they were untouchable and they lost three games and everyone thought it was all a facade. Then they won six in a row and everyone thought they were untouchable. Then they <laughs> lost to the Ravens and they were like, Oh, maybe they're like human. And then like they won what they needed to to get into the playoffs. I think for me, I am by nature very terrified of being optimistic about football teams because optimism means hope and hope means sadness when losses happen. But this will be, I'd say, the first season that I've like really followed the 49ers that I go into a playoffs thinking that this is their Super Bowl to lose. And I think that's, um, you know, two years ago, if they had beaten the Rams, I think we both think they could have beaten the Bengals last year. If they had beaten the Eagles, you don't really know what would happen against the chiefs. But like last year, I thought heading into the playoffs, they'd probably lose to the Eagles in the NFC championship game. Two years ago, I had no idea what was going on. I couldn't believe they made the playoffs anyway. So um, True. it's a fascinating place to be, I think. Um, there's somewhere in between this juggernaut and the like depths of that three-game losing streak we saw. But I think the biggest thing for them is that when they're healthy and rested, there's no other team in the – no team in the NFL wants to play them. And they get two weeks of rest, everyone healthy, to win two games. And then they get a week of rest to win one more. And I just think this is their year. I'll say that much. If they, um, you know, this core, this team, this everything, if they're going to win a Super Bowl, it's going to be – it was going to be like last year, this year, and next year. And after that, you start having to ask big questions. So – you know, it's stressful a little bit in that way, but it's also <laughs> awesome because much rather be a fan of a team that's um, the favorites to win the Super Bowl than a team that just fired a head coach and is looking for any bit of hope. Yeah, yeah, 100% with you. Yeah, I think this is maybe their best opportunity since Shanahan has been there. Um, things are lining up pretty well. Um but we'll see. That's why they play the game. So uh, we'll be back with you next week um, after the wild card um games are all wrapped up to discuss whoever it is that the 49ers are going to play on the division in the divisional round and we'll find out more about when that game will be and all that stuff here pretty soon 
but until then, thanks for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Uh, please continue to check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.